Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, Bully Ray and I talk all about what we're going to see on Monday Night Raw tonight, especially... Rick Flair presenting Randy Orton with the moniker, the greatest wrestler of all time. Does Charlotte get involved? We talk about that on today's edition. Also, we get into what I thought was a wonderful docu-series with The Undertaker, The Last Ride, the final chapter, and the future of The Undertaker. We get into all that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. I will say this, boy, I was thinking about you yesterday because there was a certain tweet that I saw that I was like, wow, this sounds very similar to what Bully was talking about last week. And that is that Ric Flair is going to be on Monday Night Raw again, Bully, and he's going to proclaim Randy Orton as the greatest wrestler in the world. I thought he already proclaimed that his daughter Charlotte was the greatest wrestler in the world. Interesting. Think she's going to have a problem with that? Well, maybe based on what you saw last week. And to remind people what Bully said last week is that Bully said that he feels a lot of what we're seeing could set up Randy Orton and Charlotte. And according to WWE.com, Ric Flair is ready to present Randy Orton as the greatest wrestler. I'm sorry. Forget what I said. Ric Flair is ready to present Randy Orton as the greatest wrestler ever tonight on Monday Night Raw. Whatever they wind up doing, uh, I believe it'll lead to Randy Orton versus Charlotte Flair in one way, shape, or form. Whether they decide to go with a very deep-rooted story or whether they just decide to go on the merit of I'm the better wrestler, no, I'm the better wrestler, I think we're eventually going to get it, and I think it'll be really good for business and a lot of fun to watch and very entertaining for fans. That's my opinion on it. I, I, you know, The other day when I gave you what I would do off the top of my head. You know, I gave you the whole Rocky scenario, Rick in the hospital. Does Randy Orton punt Ric Flair in the head? I mean, that's just one way to go about it. But if I thought about it, I go, if this is about wrestling and who the greatest wrestler is, it's got to be about the the holds, the moves, the reversals, the, the, the psychology of a wrestling match. If Randy were to go ahead and punt Ric Flair in the head, now it becomes entirely too personal, and it has to become more of a fight. And when you get into that fight, you get into that sketchy area where I don't think some fans want to see a man fight a woman. Um, I, I, I understand their point of view. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it because it is the world of sports entertainment. And uh, in the in the world of movies, we see plenty of women kicking men's ass and we just go ahead and believe it because it's in the movies. Um, Wrestling is no different than a movie, a Broadway show, the circus. It is it is our world. And anything that we do in our world, uh, if the psychology is right, can be palatable for fans. Do I want to see Randy Orton punch Charlotte Flair in the face? Absolutely not. But if we so if we go down that 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 road, it becomes very personal and it has to kind of turn into a little bit more of a fight. Do I think it could work? Yes. But I also think if they go the very clean route of I'm the best wrestler. No, I'm the best wrestler could also work. But then to me, it's kind of vanilla. Then it's just like I'm the better wrestler. No, I'm the better wrestler. No, I'm the better wrestler. 
and it's just kind of a surface value thing. So what do you think? What what would, If you were to get Charlotte versus Randy Orton, which I think we're going to get no matter what, what road would you like to see them go down? And would you like to see just a wrestling match, which would be fine? Or would you like to see something a little bit more heated, personal, and deep-rooted? I think, yeah, I think a little bit more personal and deep-rooted. Though, look at the avenue they're taking. Even as far as Randy Orton and Edge, Bully, we talked about it, that it's very, very un-WWE-like to call it a wrestling match and to call their superstars wrestlers. Like, that was something that they really kind of stayed away from that verbiage, yet that's all we heard leading up to Edge and Orton at Backlash. And when you read into what the WWE is proclaiming for tonight, it is Ric Flair presenting Randy Orton as the greatest wrestler ever. Not the greatest performer, not the greatest sports entertainer, but the greatest wrestler ever. So I really do think as of right now, and it's going to change. You know it's going to change because with Ric Flair involved, if Charlotte gets involved, it is going to get deep-rooted. It is going to be heated. But as of right now, I think they're looking at it more as an athletic competition, as athletes. We always talk about, when we talk about Charlotte, what an amazing athlete Charlotte is. When we talk about Randy Orton, we always talk about what a great wrestler Randy Orton is. So I think there is going to be the one side where it's going to get personal, especially with Ric Flair involved. But I also say think the one way you can play it is as an athletic competition. Because when you look at Randy and Charlotte, the one thing you will say is they are great wrestlers and they are great athletes. Uh, totally agree. I believe that the stage is set for an, an Iron Man, Iron Woman, Iron Person, to Iron Athlete. There's, there it is. The, you know, the, the Iron Athlete, the Iron Wrestler. Because obviously you can't call it an Iron Man or an Iron Woman. And Iron Person sounds kind of, I don't know, that's kind of corny. I don't know. It just doesn't, just doesn't, you know, doesn't have a ring to it. But the Iron Athlete or the iron horse of the WWE. One of those matches, whether they... Listen, do I think Randy Orton and Charlotte Flair can go 60 minutes? Yeah, I do. And to see Randy versus Charlotte for 60 minutes, I know a lot of people are groaning out there right now, like, oh, I don't want to see that. I, I think it would be much better than you than you than you're giving them... Uh, that you'd be giving them credit for. Uh, I think that's the way to go. Although... I'd love to see more storytelling. I'd love to see it get a, bit, a little bit more personal, especially if Ric Flair were to use the word legend tonight. Because what is Randy Orton? He's the legend killer. He's a legend killer. What's the one legend that Randy hasn't, quote unquote, killed yet? He hasn't killed Flair. And in order to be, you know, and, and, if, and if Rick is... Uh, if Rick is going to bestow this honor on Randy of being the greatest wrestler ever, and you're the legend killer, and you're all this, and Randy turns around and he says, "You know, Rick, you've you've been saying for the longest time, in order to be, be the man, you got to beat the man." But I'm going to one up. I'm going to I'm going to I'm the legend killer. I'm going to kill the man. I'm going to destroy the man. I'm going to make sure the man is never seen again because only then can I rise to that next level. You know, it's almost like it's almost like strike me down and, you know, you'll become the most powerful, you know, Jedi ever, the most powerful Sith ever. Randy sees that he needs to strike down Ric Flair in order to ascend to that level of greatness. And if that's where they do the business, that's where it becomes personal, like RKOing Charlotte and all that. I, I don't think I need to see that. Rick is the conduit to me. Rick is the story to me. I never like to see Rick in there too much, taking too much spotlight away. I also think too much Rick reminds us that Charlotte is Rick's daughter, and she has she she has earned her way out of his shadow. You know? Yeah. But I think this is the right situation to use him as the conduit of the story. And also, too, Bully, and this could change during the course of the story, you know, him coming out and proclaiming Randy Orton, you know, the greatest wrestler ever. I mean, you mentioned it last week, and this all started with you coming out of backlash last weekend saying this is where you thought the story was going to go. So this started, and listen, 
a lot of people called into the show not believing it, but I think seeing is believing. And as we're seeing it played out over the course of the last week, it looks like this is the direction the WWE is going into. But let me ask you this, Bully. Is this because of the injury to Edge? Or do you think that this story, long-term storybook-wise, was the direction that the WWE wanted to go into? Uh, I wouldn't. I would not doubt if there were seeds planted for a while now. Discussions backstage. We've been talking about it on the show for a while. I told you probably. We've been talking about this for about a year. I said the only way for Charlotte to get to the next level is to wrestle uh, a man, because I believe that she is the the number one female uh, in the WWE. The only thing that I'd like to see Charlotte do right now, other than wrestle uh, a, a Randy Orton, an AJ Styles, a Seth Rollins, would be to have a best of seven with Sasha. I think Charlotte versus Sasha best of seven is is a cool story about the superiority of the, the women's wrestler, who truly is the best, because you can make a story out of those two. I know Sasha is double parked in this tag team thing, blah, 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 but you can get her out of there overnight because the, the Sasha and Charlotte have a story and you can just have Sasha, you know, talking about how, listen, we know what the truth is, Charlotte. We know that I'm I'm just as good as you, if not better than you, and I can prove it. Yeah, you might be better than me one night, and I be, might be better than you one night, but in the long run, I will, or I can prove that I'm better than you. And that's you, how you get the best of seven. I'm just telling you my opinion as a fan as something that I'd like to see in the women's division. Now, if we don't get that, I want to see Charlotte take the step up, and I want to see her work with, wrestle with someone who can make her better. And you know what? And we'll we're obviously later on in the show we're going to get into the Undertaker's last ride. We saw the final chapter last night. Obviously, a lot of news coming out of the last ride from last night when it comes to the Undertaker. But there was some interviews with a lot of WWE superstars. One of them being Randy Orton, and he talked about when he first came up, the battles that he had with the Undertaker to the point, bully, that Randy said Vince McMahon got mad when they got into the back because of all the offense The Undertaker gave Randy Orton. And Randy Orton and The Undertaker both explained that this is what this business is all about. It's making superstars. Undertaker saw talent in Randy Orton, so you know what? He let him get a lot of offense on him because he saw the potential. I think this is a time and a place where Randy Orton can do that for Charlotte. I think the story that's being presented in the WWE right now, and it's hard to argue, Bully, is that Randy Orton truly is one of the best wrestlers ever. You know, you can make the case, and it's hard to argue that he is the best wrestler right now in the WWE. But also somebody who is another great wrestler, and you can make the argument is one of the better wrestlers in the WWE, is Charlotte. This is this could really take Charlotte to another level that probably no other women's wrestler has ever been at. We talked about this last week, uh, years ago. I, I believe it was the late seventies when Bobby Riggs, that was his name, the tennis player. Yes, Bobby Riggs. Yeah, he was a bit of a, a male chauvinist, saying that men were better than women, and I can, you know, uh, I could beat any woman. And then Martina Navratilova stepped up to the plate, and we had Bobby Riggs versus Martina Navratilova in a tennis match, and Martina beat him. And the, the woman, the woman athlete, showed that she could beat the the man athlete when the playing field was evened in in a, in a straight up match. Obviously, pro wrestling, entertainment, not a uh, legitimate contest like an actual tennis match or a baseball game or a football game. And that's why this can be pulled off. Listen, if they got on a wrestling mat and they were to amateur wrestler, amateur wrestle, it'd probably take inside 30 seconds for Randy to put, you know, Charlotte in a, in, a, in a pinning predicament or, or have her tap out or compromise where he, he's going to overpower her just because of sheer density, size, stuff like that. Who wants to see that? Absolutely nobody. That's why in pro wrestling, we can do whatever we want.
and with these two superior athletes, workers, wrestlers, with the right psychology, we can get something very entertaining out of these two. I think these are the, the two right people for the job. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the f- things that I heard on social media, Dave, was fans were like, no, it's unbelievable. Randy Orton is too big. He should not be selling for Charlotte. Do you agree with that? No, I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I think when you have two athletes, you can see it in any kind of sport. I mean, does the, the size make a difference? Yes, but I don't think Randy Orton's like a Braun Strowman. If you put, you know, Charlotte in the ring with Braun Strowman, I, I might have a different attitude about it. But even in pro wrestling, you know, you could have a Rey Mysterio in a big show and it could work. Um, you know, and, and it's history has shown that. Um, I, I, when I look at Randy Orton I, and I look at Charlotte, I honestly, there's not that big of a difference in size or height or anything else. And did Rey Mysterio beat up the big show? No, he didn't big beat up the big show. But he, he took advantage of certain situations where, hey, you know, you got the big man. What do you do when you have a big man in the ring? You go after the leg. You go after the knee. That's what he did. So, um, you know. He took advantage hey, was, of certain situations. I was just watching with my wife, who, and I believe uh, Tommy admitted he'd never seen this movie, and my wife had never seen this movie, but we watched The Princess Bride over the weekend. Okay. If you remember, with Andre the Giant, he beat Andre the Giant. How did he do it? By jumping on, putting on a sleeper hold behind him, and he wasn't able to break the hold. He took advantage of his, of his height and, and made his size kind of like a weakness compared to usually when it's a strength. When you have athletes, and again, in the world of pro wrestling, you could do this. David versus Goliath has worked since David versus Goliath. And in the world of pro wrestling, it can work for forever if you tell the story the right way. Who, who is more comparable in strength and power? Charlotte and Randy or Rey Mysterio in the big show? Oh wait, wait! If you're if you're doing that, David and Goliath, it's it's Rey Mysterio in the big show. No, who is similar? Like if 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 they were in the gym, who is of similar strength? Randy and Charlotte, or Rey in the big show? Oh, without a doubt, it's 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 uh, it's Randy and Charlotte. So Rey versus the big show is much more of a stretch. Oh my God! Not even close. Ray getting any offense in on the Big Show is a massive stretch. How the hell could this possibly happen? Well, not only did it happen, it worked, and people went nuts when it did because it was booked the right way. The psychology was the right way. Ray didn't walk in and body slam the Big Show. Big Show was able to come off his feet because they chopped down the tree or he missed something. They went about it in a way where you said to yourself, yeah, that could definitely happen. Same thing with Charlotte and Randy. It it, it only takes Randy to miss one mafia kick to the head. Charlotte moves. He drapes his leg on the top rope and she cuts him down and starts to go after a leg a la the Flair style. It, and that's and that's a very simple way of looking at it, Dave. Charlotte versus Randy works. It's the psychology that's going to be the most important thing. And you want to know something? And I could be wrong here, Bully. I think there might be some things that Charlotte could do in the ring athletic-wise that Randy can't do. Uh, no. Okay. No. Sorry. Complete disagree. I don't think there's anything that Charlotte can do athletically. (laughs) Okay. Maybe if you want to say like Charlotte's able to do a split and Randy can't do a split. I mean, something like that. Or maybe Charlotte can do um, a cartwheel and Randy can't do a cartwheel. You know what? You could use that in the match. Like Randy could go like kind of like a Matrix type shit where Randy goes after Charlotte and Charlotte does the split. Or you know what? She does it. I mean, hey, listen. Why not? Because what you're showing is how great wrestlers and how great uh, an athlete Charlotte is. Why don't you show some of what she can do and some of her athleticism? Absolutely. When I, if, if I'm the producer of that match, I'm sitting down and I'm saying to myself, wow, Charlotte has a, a, a huge list of strengths. Randy has a huge list of strengths. Just give me each other's one weakness. And I can build that story around each performer's 
one weakness because that is what each other will go for. It's kind of like when box when when you have like a Pacquiao versus a Mayweather, there's not many weaknesses in each other's game, is there? No. But Floyd or Manny will watch tape for hours and hours and hours and go there. Right there, in that nanosecond, there's the other guy's weakness. And I'm going to take that nanosecond in time in a, in a boxing match, and I'm going to turn it into the entire match. I'm going to take that one weakness, and I'm going to amplify it. I'm going to put it under a microscope, and I'm going to expose this weakness round after round after round. And if you're a guy like a, a, a Floyd Mayweather, you're patient. You'll wait till the seventh round to expose that weakness, but eventually you will. And that's the story that they can use if they just decide to go with a straight-up wrestling match. And you know what? I think it could be a long story because I don't think the first time Charlotte challenges Randy Orton, Charlotte should win. Like, I think, I think Randy Orton should win, and, but, and that also could be a way to continue the story as well. I believe that you can you can have that be a series of matches between those two. I could make a case for each one of them winning and how each one of them should win. The Yakin Barak Show. When your first step to resolve something is go to social media or to go to a public forum to vent, I think that just makes you take two steps backwards in even trying to resolve it in the first place. You know, so I just think not just boxing media, boxing promoters, and boxers should refrain from letting social media be the place we you know where we hold court. Weekdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156. You know, the hashtag speaking out. And, you know, somebody obviously who's a father to a daughter, you, you, you read some of these stories that have been going on. It's, it's, it's sickening. It, 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 it really is sickening. And, and Bully, we come from this world of pro wrestling, which we love. And, you know, I'm thankful that uh, I've been able to make a career uh, doing this show. And I love the world of pro wrestling. But, man, reading some of the things that I've read – you know, it, it makes you sick, and it's and it's embarrassing. And I'm I'm so happy for the women being able to have an avenue, uh, like the hashtag speaking out, to be able to to not hide things that have happened to them in the past. And and you have to be strong to be able to do that. And man, again, I I don't want to point fingers at people because, as you know, with social media, you don't know what's true and what's not true. Though people now are are being fired, there's people stepping down, there's people being let go, and, you know, there needs to be change. I mean, if there's one thing that we've learned over the last few months, Bully, in our world is that there needs to be change. And the first way to make change is to acknowledge that there is a problem. Now, whether everything that's being said out there is true, whether 50% of what's being said out there is true, or whether 25% of what's being said out there is true, one thing we do know is that there is a problem, and it's, it's sickening. And I know as a father to a daughter, I want my daughter to be able to step into whatever field she wants to step into and not have to worry about things like the things that are being said over the weekend to happen to her. I want her to be able to to you know use her talents to get a position and not have to use anything else. I don't want her to be afraid in her workplace. I don't want her to feel uncomfortable in her workplace. And it seems like in the world of pro wrestling, that has happened time and time again. Again, I don't know what, what I, I said this on Friday with Mark that I acknowledged it. I I, I, I pray for the victims of it. It's hard when it comes to social media to know what's true and what's not true. But obviously, there is a problem in this world, and it needs to stop. It's a power trip, and and that is a problem. It's taking away the power of a woman. You know, uh, the 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 the, the what uh, what a person feels when they have a certain talent, what a person feels when they've accomplished something, what a person feels when they've created something. 
Yeah, I can say that. There's no better. There's no better feeling in the world when you've accomplished a goal or you've created something on your own, and you have a certain talent that you're now being able to use as your career, and to have that taken away from you because when you are violated, whether it's physically or mentally, it could be physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. That power is taken away from you, and that's a sin. And, you know, shame on the people that have done that and shame on the people have done this in this great profession that we love as professional wrestling. And you know what, for those voices that are out there and using the hashtag speaking out that thank you for doing that. We need to make change and we need to give the power back and no woman or man, because there's accusations being thrown out there from males as well. Nobody should have that power taken away from them. When they have a talent and they're creative and they have this way of making their dreams come true, to be ashamed of that, to be embarrassed, to to be afraid to walk into a venue or to a car with another wrestler to travel or in a locker room, that needs to change. This culture needs to change. And things are coming out every day. And we're going to learn, man, over the next few days, over the next few weeks, we're going to learn what the truth is and what not the truth is. We're going to know those people that are guilty and the people that are not guilty. I am not a judge or jury. I am not going to let social media have me judge somebody innocent or guilty until I know for a fact, and those things are proven, but they will be, those things will be proven. And now in this day and age with, with cell phones and, and, and camera phones, this isn't 30 years ago. People can't get away with stuff that they once got away with. And thank God they can't. So this culture needs to change. Now, I am not going to use this platform that I have to call anybody out because, again, I don't have that right. You're, you're in, in this country, you're innocent until proven guilty. But I will say that change needs to happen. The culture needs to change. And one voice is as strong as a thousand voices. So, you know, using that hashtag speaking out to get your to get your story out there to help promote change. I am all about change and I'm all about positivity. <sighs> so now that I got that out there and I I, I hope I thought you did a great job with that. Thank you, Bowley. This week on World of Basketball, Kelly Olynyk and Kevin Pangos, two former Gonzaga stars, joined the show. And Kevin spoke about the time he dropped 48 points on the Golden State Warriors, Andrew Wiggins. He gets mad when, when people say that because he, he said he was only guarding me for half the game. So. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, in high school, there was one game we played in, uh, in a tournament. And it was one of those games that everything was falling. I think I also put up a lot of shots. Um, the highlights don't show that but yeah it was one of those games where things were falling and and had 48 new episodes of World of Basketball are available every Thursday on the Sirius XM app Pandora and Apple Podcasts bittersweet Sunday night for Dave LaGreca as I watched the final chapter bully of the last ride And this is when I normally do my power rankings. And I had my power rankings prepared. I had my five to one ready for you to criticize. But after watching the last ride last night, Bully, I got to be honest with you. I am dedicating my power rankings to The Undertaker. So when you look back at LaGreca's power rankings for June 22nd, 2020, just like the Hall of Fame, when, when the Undertaker goes into the Hall of Fame, whenever that happens, there should be nobody else inducted that year. It should just be the Undertaker. And just like my power rankings for this week, the only person I'm putting on is the legendary, the iconic, the greatest character in the history of pro wrestling, the Undertaker. So are you trying to tell me that the one episode of, the final episode of The Last Ride yes. was more powerful than anything that you saw from Raw, NXT, or SmackDown last week. Yes. It's not even close because we have done shows about what's next for The Undertaker. I have gone on one knee and did the handcuff waiting for WrestleMania to see the legendary Undertaker. And after 
watching chapter five, the final chapter of what was, I think, an amazing docu-series on the WWE Network. It sounds like we have seen the last of The Undertaker. That, you know, cinematic match we saw at WrestleMania 36 against AJ Styles is most likely the final time we're ever going to see The Undertaker. I'm trying to decide whether or not I agree with you on your power rankings. Because I don't think any one match that I saw last week compares to the power of that episode. There were a couple of good matches last week. Like if you put the last ride at number one and then gave me two through five, okay. But I can understand why you want to dedicate the entire power rankings to The Undertaker. I think it's typical Dave LaGreca. Yes. Typical I'm Dave sure LaGreca. Get, I'm sure I'll Take get it, criticized yeah. on social media, which is fine. Typical Dave LaGreca. Uh, I love The Undertaker. I love their Undertaker. Uh, I'm going to just give him my entire power rankings. Oh, because he's so great. He's so wonderful. I handcuff myself. All that stuff. <laughs> <What do> you- <laughs> but as far as storytelling is concerned... I think it's a phenomenal story, and I use the word phenomenal for a reason, Um, and it is pretty powerful, and if anybody deserves that kind of accolade uh, of taking up all five spots, I I don't think there's anybody else but Taker, so I'll kind of ride the LaGreca wave of the power rankings this week. I'm sure you'll shit the bed next week, though. And I will. And if I don't, you'll still say I did, which I understand. But if I'm going to say that The Undertaker has like an Andre the Giant moment, when I say Andre the Giant, being inducted into the Hall of Fame, just him. Just, you know, whatever year that is, because I'm sure that that Hall of Fame, you know, we haven't, they even, they haven't had the inductions yet for 2020 because of everything that's going on in our world. But let's just say 2022, The Undertaker is going into the Hall of Fame. I don't think there should be anybody else that year going in to the Hall of Fame. I think it should just be The Undertaker by himself going into the Hall of Fame. And this docuseries was something that is groundbreaking, not only because of the production and just, you know, a wonderful view of the greatest character of all time. But as I asked him in the interview, he was that last thread of kayfabe. He never did interviews as Mark Calloway. He was always the undertaker. You know, he, you know, he never broke character. And here over a, a five series span bully he showed us not only himself as a man and his family and his family life and his home but also his weaknesses where his body is beaten and he said some things in that final installment now i will say this and these are are something that people will bring up he did say that if vince mcmahon ever came up to him and said i need you in a, a break in case of emergency, it's hard for him to say no to Vince McMahon. So he did say never say never, but he did say some things that I want to get your reaction to, Bully, when, in regards to his career. He says he feels good to walk away. He feels he's more he's he would be more used outside the ring right now than inside. In reference to that last, you know, cinematic match with AJ Styles, he said, you know, in that final drive away on the motorcycle, it's like the cowboy riding away after his final gun gun battle. He says he has another laugh that he find another life that he finally wants to enjoy. He thought that that cinematic match was the perfect ending to his career, and he actually got teary-eyed bully when he said this. He said, I have no desire to be back in the ring. So after hearing all of those things from The Undertaker, I feel that we have seen the last of The Undertaker. Sure. And like you said, in case of emergency, break glass. Meaning, Vince, you've been so wonderful to me and my family for the past 20, 25 years, whatever it's been, that if you ever need me, I'll be there for you. Because they're friends. This goes beyond business with Vince and Taker. And ta- I... I 
I've been saying it for a while. I don't think we need to see more of him unless seeing more of him is better than the last version that we saw of him and unless it's special. I don't know if it if it's going to get any more special than that cinematic match. Yes, in a fantasy world kind of scenario, the entrances of Sting versus Taker would be incredible. The story leading into it, the buildup, but then the bell would ring and we'd have to keep it at five minutes. And I don't think that five minutes of Taker versus Sting would be as memorable as the 20 minutes that we got from AJ and Taker. But could it be done? Yes. And with the brains that they have there, I'm sure that they could figure out the right way for it to be done. But would you rather see it as a regular match? Would you rather see it as cinematic? Blah, blah, blah. That's the only possible thing that I could see. There was a lot of things that came out. So if I never see Taker again, great. And go, go enjoy your life, do whatever. But, the, you know, you know, Triple H talking about that dragon. With wrestling, you can only sit still for so long. You can only stay away from it for so long. And eventually it, it kind of... It's like that drug that keeps, you know, it's that monkey on its back. Oh, come on. Maybe, you know, maybe I got one match left of me. Oh, I could do a run-in. I could just I could just do my entrance and choke slam somebody. You know, just because you want to feel that rush again. Um the thing that re- I that I really enjoyed about the episode wasn't so much about Taker. It was AJ. And I always go back to AJ because of seeing AJ you know, come up and being the face of TNA and everything that AJ had went through at TNA and listening to the story about how AJ Styles decided to pick up the phone and call The Undertaker. And it's AJ Styles who convinced The Undertaker to do this match, right? Yep. Think about it. AJ Styles picked up a phone and was able to convince The Undertaker to do this match. The same AJ Styles that TNA wanted to offer less money to. It's insane when you think about it. It's kind of up there with Bischoff telling Austin, no guy in black trunks and black boots will ever make it in the business. And then look, the guy in black trunks and black, you know, boots became the biggest guy in the business. Yep. And I'm not talking about current TNA or Impact Wrestling. I'm talking about that old, old regime, old ownership, you know, looking at AJ as a guy who wasn't worth uh, the money he was making. We we have to pay you less. And AJ Styles is the guy that picked up the phone and and got the undertaker to uh, to have that last match. So. Uh, I, it, it makes me happy for AJ, uh, proud of AJ, um, finally realizing just how great he was, just the potential that he had and how he finally got out of that, that, that TNA bubble that I felt that he was trapped in for so long. So the AJ, the AJ stuff to me last night was what was really cool as a fan for me to watch. Yeah, and also, too, like, you know, knowing and showing the respect to call him first because he probably could have gone another avenue, pitched it to creative, pitched it to Vince McMahon or anything like that. But he's like, hey, if The Undertaker's heart's not in it, it's not going to happen, so I'm going to go right to the source. And that's what he did. That's the ultimate sign of respect. Well, it's also smart because AJ knows that if, if he puts it in Taker's ear and Taker likes it, the taker's going to go back to Vince, and Vince is not going to say no. So it's a very smart, calculated move on, on AJ's part. It's good politics. It's smart politics. And, we, yeah, we can call it respect and all this, because it is, but it's also politics. You know, politics is a very dirty word in the wrestling business, but it's actually something that goes on every day, and there's good politics and there's bad politics. And there's always going to be politicking going on. Uh, something interesting that you said uh, earlier in the conversation, you said uh, that the that the Undertaker was the last thread of kayfabe for you in the wrestling business, right? Yeah. yeah. He's that la- last bastion. He's the keeper of the of the secrets or the, you know, he, he protects the, uh, the, you know, the uh, the shrine of, of pro wrestling. And. How did you feel about the network showing him shaking hands with Shane, Man- Shane McMahon and Drew Galloway 
right after their extreme rules match at the gorilla position. It's so funny you brought that up, Bully, and you know me too well because I'm watching that. And listen, this is a different world we live in when it comes to pro wrestling. You know, we know everything. And now even with this docuseries, you've seen things that you've never seen before. But yeah, that bo- it, it, it bothered me. It really did bother me because it's really throwing out there in front of your face that this is all make-believe, this is all fake, this is not real what you're seeing. And again, it, it goes against everything that we learned bully about pro wrestling and and ultimately why we fell in love with pro wrestling obviously bully you as a performer and as a wrestler you were smartened up quickly about what this business really is but for me as a fan it's the realism and the believability like we talked about last week that kept you a fan and that kept you watching week in and week out and when it's thrown in your face that like Hey, what we just had there, that was just, that was, that none of that was real. I understand that it's not real. I know it's not real. I understand that everything that we watch is predetermined. I get all that, but it still bothers me. And I'm sure that when The Undertaker is watching this back, he's cringing as well. We, when, when we talked to him, Bully, you know, we brought up about with Roman Reigns, uh, at in the first episode, where you know they're at the hotel clerk, and then and Roman goes right up to him and pats him on the back and says, "What's up?" It's like, like Taker looks at him and you can't even you can't even give me this, you can't e- you you can't even get, in public in the hotel you can't even give me this. But I think bully like a lot of younger fans are listening to me talk right now and probably thinking I'm an old fool. And maybe I guess it's foolish to think this way. I think we're so far removed from that that with this series with The Undertaker, and I said the last thread of kayfabe, that cord has now been severed. And what's done is done. So in saying what you just said, how do you defend wrestling as a sport? Again, I'm going to bring up another uh, documentary, and that is uh, Dark Side of the Ring. And with the whole thing with Dr. D. David Schultz, and they're interviewing John Stossel. And John Stossel was talking about the blading and everything else, and he goes, it's amazing to see what these wrestlers do for their sport. And then he laughs, and he says, sport. And he throws it, sport, you know, this, and this form of entertainment. When he's saying that, I'm like that pompous little bastard. Like I want to take it. I want to. I want to do like Doctor D did and slap him across the face. But how can I? Vince McMahon calls it entertainment. You know, when you're watching these docu series, you hear the term sports entertainment far more than you hear pro wrestling. Can I call it a sport? If everything is predetermined and the outcome is predetermined, is it athletic? Yes, it's it's certainly athletic, but I don't think you can call it a sport. It's not a sport, bully. And I think things like seeing Taker and Brock Lesnar sitting next to each other in Saudi Arabia having dinner when they're embedded in a heated feud or Taker shaking hands with Drew and... Uh, Shane after the match. I think these are the things that smack us in the face with reality where I can understand the argument of this is not a sport. This is entertainment. And it is entertainment. That's what it is. It's it's athletic entertainment. And and I completely get the argument. As a fan, do I want to see Undertaker shaking hands with, with Drew and Shane? Nope. Do I need to see it? Nope. Do I know in the in the back of my mind, do I know that's happening? Yep. But I don't need to see it. I don't want to see it. Some of those things I just don't want to see. Because as a fan who grew up old school, I didn't want the illusion ruined for me. And, 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 I, and I still don't. Little things bother me too, because I was watching it with Violetta and my daughter. 
And like Randy Orton was talking about, as I mentioned before, that match with The Undertaker and, you know, the liberties he was able to take with The Undertaker because The Undertaker believed in him. And then Randy Orton says, then we get, we, we go back to Gorilla and Vince McMahon is like, what are you guys doing? And then my wife says, what's, what's Gorilla? And I explained to her, like, honestly, those are things I should not know. Now, I, you know, I, I'm being honest here. I, I shouldn't know what Gorilla is. Why, why should I know what Gorilla is? I'm not a wrestler. Like, that's something for, that's, that should be kept in-house. That's, that, only bully, only re- you and Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard, people who are behind the scenes and the actual wrestler. I, I would have to think that there's certain things that only you as performers and wrestlers should know and that the outside world shouldn't know. Certain terminology that only you should know and I shouldn't know. Because I would like to think that pro wrestling is kind of that close-knit society where, hey, some things, certain terminology only we should know and fans shouldn't know. But that's not the case anymore. The curtain's been pulled back so much that there is no line between the wrestler and the fan. Bully, most of what we talk about is that inside terminology. Most of the things that the the websites that cover pro wrestling, they're not talking about the matches. It's what's going on backstage. I still think there should be that division. And once you lose that division, nothing special anymore. The magic is gone. I'm, I, I'm going to bring, bring up something because we always talk about music. I'm going to bring up Alice Cooper for a second. Alice Cooper in 1973 had the number one album with Billion Dollar Babies. He had the number one tour with the tour that year in 1973. And what, what over the next couple of years, what Alice Cooper goes, Alice Cooper was looked as this deviant. Alice Cooper was looked at as this villain. You didn't know what was, there was all these rumors, you know, did he eat chickens and all this stuff? Like, you know, like, you know, all this type of stuff, like live, did he bite the heads off of chickens and all this like, crazy rumors and stuff. And Alice Cooper would never say what was true and what was not true. He stayed away from everything because the mystique, the magic of it. And then around 1976, he decided that, you know what? I'm going to tell everyone that Alice Cooper is just a character. I never did all this stuff. He started appearing on Hollywood squares and the Muppet show. And, And what happened to his record sales and his tours? They tanked. Suddenly he went from being number one to his album when he released it would be, you know, number 65 and his tour wouldn't be close to number one. Why? Because the mystique and the magic was gone. It's the same thing with pro wrestling. Pro wrestling's not the number one show anymore like it used to be. And I think a big reason why is a lot of the mystique and the magic is gone. We know too much. And when you know too much, what's What's the magic in that? If you know that every time you turn on the TV that everything is fake and then they blatantly show it with handshakes and hugs after the match, it takes away, for me, again, I would love to hear from some newer fans, but for me, it takes a lot away. And this is why it is so important that wrestlers, performers, become masters of their craft when it comes to making you believe the lie. The minute I go to see David Copperfield, Penn and Teller, or any other great musician, uh, magician, the minute I sit in my seat, I'm saying to myself, I'm about to be lied to, and I know it. But now, make me scratch my head and go, wait a minute. How the hell did they do that? Make me believe all the lying and all the bullshit that you're giving me. That's why I always compare pro wrestling to magic. It's the same thing. Does the elephant really disappear? No, it doesn't really disappear. But do you give the magician that it did? Do you give the magician a standing ovation when he makes the elephant disappear? Yes. Why? 
because what are you, I, what are I, you stupid? The elephant didn't disappear. Why are you giving him a standing ovation? Because you know what? I I know in the back of my mind it didn't disappear, but I don't see it. I don't Baby. see it. It's right there. I see the backdrop, but I don't see an elephant. They make you believe the lie. We know we've seen enough people pull the curtain back on the magic industry where where we know how a trick is done. We know how the lady gets sawed in half. But meanwhile, if you went to go see a magician today who took the lady being sawed in half and put a completely new spin on it, you'd be like, oh my God, I hope she's okay. You completely forget. You suspend that disbelief that nobody really got sawed in half. And that's what you should aspire to be in pro wrestling these days. That's where true masters of the craft that when you watch edge and Randy Orton, are you buying every false finish? I am. Why? Because I'm so caught up in the match that it has me. I'm, I'm grabbed. I'm emotionally invested. Correct. You're suspending your disbelief. You're believing in the lie. That's the art form. Not not backflips and dives and super kicks. Yes, that's exciting to watch. And I understand why people like that. I enjoy it too. But just like you said about things, nothing is special. We can break that all the way down to moves, right? What moves are special? Like, there are so many moves that used to be so special, that are no that are just passe. They're as passe as a clothesline. But given the right person doing the the clothesline the correct way and having it sold the correct way, that clothesline becomes a big deal all over again. Yeah, and and we talked about this like believability and making things seem special and not wasting moves for the sake of making a move and the lack of finishers. Like, like here, I'll just bring this example up. I was one of my favorite feuds of all time was Roddy Piper and Jimmy Snuka. It didn't last long because things changed. But if I saw at the Meadowlands right after that, you know, Jimmy Snuka and, and Roddy Piper together sharing a beer and laughing and talking about how good the match was, I would be like, what? How is this? What? what, what? Believe it or not. You know, in 1987, when, you know, the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan were pulled over on the Jersey Turnpike, it, it was a huge story. I mean, Hacksaw Jim Duggan was never the same after that. Iron Sheik was fired after that. You know, they had some illegal substances in the car. But that's not the reason why Iron Sheik was fired and Hacksaw Jim Duggan you know, went from being a main eventer to being at the beginning of the card. It's because they were seen together. They broke a rule that the baby face and the heel shouldn't be together. And all believe believability was lost. That this is true. Nowadays, it would be no bit. Why? What? what? They, people are probably listening to that and saying, well, are you serious? Why would they do that? That's stupid. Well, because. That's how you believed. First of all, bully, I shouldn't be saying baby face. Why the fuck am I saying baby face and heel? That's pro wrestler terminology. I shouldn't be saying that shit. I should be saying good guy and bad guy. There's no when I was growing up watching wrestling, there was no baby face and heel. There's no kayfabe. Everybody wants to be in on it. Everybody wants to feel like because they know the terminology that makes them smart to the business and they completely understand everything that's going on. And those people who are so smart are the same ones that buy those front row tickets. In wrestling, when I look at fans, the smarter they are, the harder they fall for it. The smarter they are, the harder they fall for it. I love it when I can take the smartest of smart fans and take them on a ride that they don't expect. Case in point, like two years ago, Ring of Honor, Chicago, 2,500 people there, grown men crying, chanting, thank you, bully. 
please don't go because I was retiring because of a concussion that I received. Grown men, if you don't believe me, go watch the video of it. It's all over YouTube. Brought a little kid in the ring, told the little kid, oh, this is the last table I'm going to ever break. Oh, everybody's hearts were breaking. Oh, my God, Billy's such a nice guy. The smarter they are, the harder they fall for it. Have a nice day. The biggest names in the combat sports world are on MMA Tonight. Cody Garbrandt joins us. I got to the title fast under two years in the UFC, won the world championship, trailblazed to the top. This time is going to be way more generous, way more sacrifice. And I just said, are you prepared to throw it all in and erase the last few years and what happened and go from there? Once I had that hard part with myself and, and stopped really making excuses or just got back to the hard work, I mean, the simplest fun of hard work pays off. Happy to be back, excited to have those feelings back inside the octagon, back to loving it and, and just working hard for it. Tuesday through Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Looks like we've seen the last of The Undertaker, but not the man, Mark Holloway, because it sounds like he is going to be, you know, he said it in in the documentary. He said there's more use for him outside of the ring than inside of the ring. And again, seeing this from The Undertaker, and, and I've mentioned it many times, and Bully mentioned it before, the last thread of kayfabe, because now everybody knows everything. We know the insides and outs, you know, and it's great to watch these docuseries. You know, it's great to see, you know, behind the, you know, behind the scenes at Extreme Rules where people are talking about their matches before and after it actually takes place. And you see two guys that hate each other, but once they get through that curtain, they're hugging and they're and they're best of friends. And it's 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 interesting to watch, but once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in. So, it's hard to get that emotional investment for something Bully, like you always say about the magician, if he showed you beforehand, hey, this is how I'm going to do a trick and then does the trick, there's no emotional investment because you already have been shown how to do it, how he does it, and now the wonderment is gone. I'll say it when it comes to magic, you can ask my wife. Like, we could, uh, Mother Marissa's boyfriend, Anthony, he knows how to do magic. And he'll do it right at, like, we went out to dinner. You mean he knows how to lie to you? He does. And he's showing, like, the quarter, (laughs) and, like, he has the quarter, and then he goes, and the quarter's gone. I'm like, where'd it go? I'm like, where did the quarter go? And he won't, I was like, show me. He's like, I'm not showing you, because the magic is going to be killed. And then he'll do something else. I'll take a pencil, and the the pencil's gone. How did you do that? I just saw the pencil, now it's gone. Does he say? No, I do. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, whoa! I, I, I'm still amazed by that stuff. But if he showed me beforehand, hey, this is how the quarter disappears, and then he does it. It's no big deal. And after every trick, what do you want him to do? Lie to me more. Lie to me more. Show me another one. Lie to me, me more. Some- tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. Yeah. Make this disappear. Oh, my God. I think I just laughed in such a way where my saliva shot into my nose. Dear God. Make this. All right. Moving on. Uh, Were you uh, getting back to the last ride for a second? Were you one of those guys? Sorry. Are you you all right? No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Yep. Were you one of those guys that liked the streak coming to an end or did not like the streak coming to an end? Um, I, uh, I did not mind the streak ending. I did not hate that the streak ended because I didn't want it to be a case scenario where the streak ended with the undertaker because knowing the undertaker that that had to be used to get somebody to that next plateau. And as big as Brock Lesnar was, I I think you would agree that took him to another status by beating the undertaker. You looked at the, you looked at Brock Lesnar completely different after he beat the undertaker. Um, so no, I didn't. I did not mind that. Now I know Tommy would disagree. Tommy and I have had discussions. Tommy hates the fact that the Undertaker streak was broken, but I think that's what you do in pro wrestling. That you use what you have been able to do your career to get somebody over, and I think Undertaker did that with Brock Lesnar. 
Taker said something last night in the last ride that validated for me the streak coming to an end. And I've always wanted the streak to come to an end for and for for my own personal reasons. And but the way Taker said it last night, it just vindicated for me that yeah, I, I was right in my thinking. Did you catch it at all? What's that? Taker said, This business is forever, but I'm not. And if you're not gonna be forever, you need to pass down to the next. Just make sure who you're passing it down is deserving. And Brock was the deserving one. Brock earned the right to break the streak. And anybody who thinks any differently should really listen because that that sentence tells me a lot. This business is forever, but I'm not. And also, too, and it is, it's, very, it's extremely profound. And I think something else that really grabbed me from last night was Triple H saying that everybody wants that moment everybody listen not everybody has the rick flair moment not not everyone has the retirement match at wrestlemania and then the send-off on raw and the hall of fame induction and all of that in one weekend that 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 doesn't happen you look at all the greats did hogan have that final match you know did stone cold steve austin have that final farewell match no, it it doesn't really happen. Shawn Michaels had it with The Undertaker at WrestleMania. But it's very, very rare. Look at Bret Hart, the way Bret Hart career ended. But he, Triple H said he may not have that moment, but what he deserves is to be able to walk away satisfied. And I think, judging from what The Undertaker said last night, and if you lost the desire, that's another thing entirely, but he he he's he's able to walk away satisfied. He had that match at Extreme Rules, which he was very proud of, and you know he had that cinematic match with AJ Styles that, like he said, nobody had a negative thing to say about, which is extremely rare. So did he have the final send off in front of you know eighty thousand fans? No, but don't forget, bully his final match was supposed to be against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 33. The only reason he came back, because he wasn't satisfied with how that match came off. The fact that he's satisfied now, I think that's enough for The Undertaker, and honestly, should be enough for me and his fans. Of course. And, and there's really nothing left for him to do. I mean, as a fan, if you had the pencil in your hand, fantasy booking right now, who do you want to see him against? I think that having that match against AJ Styles in, in Tampa in front of 80,000 fans, which was supposed to be, that would have been the best type of send-off. But who knows what would have happened in that match? You know, maybe that would have been another unsatisfying match for The Undertaker. Maybe he wouldn't have felt that it lived up to his expectation and he would have still been chasing that ghost. The fact that it was the way it was in that cinematic match, maybe that was the perfect send-off for The Undertaker. You're never going to get a final shot mean more than him riding off on his bike with that fist in the air. That's it. He blew the place up, the old school taker sign, fist in the air, riding off into the sunset. That's it. You're not recreating that moment. I don't care how many times he walks up a 100-yard ramp and raises his fist in the air, pyro blows, blah, 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 this and that. No, this was different. Let it be special. Yes, if something tremendously goes wrong, if if... Somebody in the main event of WrestleMania or SummerSlam at the last minute gets hurt and they need an emergency. Sure, he'll come back. Of course he will. Because you know what? Taker can put his gear on and go out there and do his entrance for five minutes and do a choke slam or a last ride and the people will go crazy and he can make you forget that somebody that was in the main event got hurt. But that's all you that's all you I really want to see of him if they needed to use him for it. I gotta tell you, Dave, one of the things that I loved about last night was the last two words that he said in the documentary about how he looked at his career and how he did things in his career. Do you remember those last two words? What was it? He said, I did things my way, right? Yep. What are the two words that I have inscribed on the back of my Hall of Fame ring? 
Yeah, my way. The, my you way. Know, and you always want you. If it was up to you, you would have had the Sex Pistols version of my way play when you were going up to that podium. My point in that is, it's a great feeling, and I can I can relate. I'm not saying that I can compare to the or I'm like the Undertaker, as great as the Undertaker. It's not that. I'm saying it's cool to know that at the end of the day, if everything were to end right now. You did things on your terms. You did things your way. Right, wrong, or indifferent, you did them your way, and you succeeded, and you got to a level that people probably didn't think that, you know, was capable. You know, we took this gimmick of The Undertaker, and it got to a level of it. it, It's the greatest, you know, gimmick in the history of wrestling. On a smaller level, I look at what I was able to do and say, wow, took this team to heights that nobody ever thought, you know, could be accomplished from these two guys. Did it my way. So that really resonated with me. Um, and uh, like I said, the whole, uh, the uh, entire uh, five-part episode uh, uh, documentary was great. WWE Network always does a phenomenal job with their storytelling. Yeah, they they did. And again, it's bittersweet because that is definitely the end of an era, and it's a different era that we're living in right now. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156, the Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.